This podcast is sponsored by AAA, the American Automobile Association. AAA members get discounts on tickets, resort accommodations, and more at Walt Disney World and other Orlando attractions. If you book a qualifying Walt Disney World Resort vacation package at select AAA offices, you'll receive a free subscription to touringplans.com, as well as dedicated trip planning resources just for AAA clients. Go to AAA.com or ask your local AAA travel agent for more details on this offer. Hi, this is Len Testo with the Unofficial Guide to Walt Disney World. We're back for another edition of the Unofficial Guide's Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. And Jim will be along a little later, but for today we have a, uh, for now for this episode, we have a special treat. I'm here with Sam Genoway, urban designer and author of the uh, the new book, Walt and the Promise of Progress City. And we're here in uh, the beginning of uh, the very entrance of the Magic Kingdom. And today we're going to walk through the Magic Kingdom and look at it from the perspective of urban design. That is, uh, the architecture, the style, the overall layout of the park, and what uh, Disney's architects were trying to get uh, out of that design. What, were they, what they were going for in terms of those themes. Sam, welcome to the show. I'm happy to be here, Len. This is great. Thanks, Sam. And Sam, you're, uh, your book is available on Amazon, Walt and the Promise of Progress City. It's available on Amazon in both Kindle and paperback, and paperback format. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Yeah. Great. How long did it take you to write the book? Oh, uh, I, maybe a lifetime because uh, I was like a little eight, yeah. I was like an eight-year-old boy when I saw the Progress City model at the Carousel of Progress upstairs at Disneyland, and I guess ever since then I ever wanted to know if the thing could actually happen. But uh, the, uh, this book actually took about eight months to write and get it published. Fabulous, very good. Well, we're here at the uh, we're just past the turnstiles at the Magic Kingdom. We're um, we're on the right-hand side over by the locker uh, rental and wheelchair. Um, rental as well, and we're looking up at the at the train station. Now, Sam, you had, you had mentioned that um, when you were on, a, on one of the WDW Today podcasts that mm-hmm. um, the entrance to, to the Disney theme parks were heavily influenced by Walt's um, background in film and movies, right? Yes, yes, and actually most of the Imagineers, the early Imagineers, they were art directors from 20th Century Fox. The reason why is the 20th Century Fox, Century, their back lot was four times the size of Disneyland. It had a river, it had a riverboat, it had a river town, it had its own little main street, its own little city. Quite honestly, if you could stick a turnstile in the front of it, you would have been able to charge admission to go back there. And they all moved over uh, to start to do the Disney projects. Okay. And, um, and, it, and it was really important because they, this was the first time in an amusement park that people used cinematic techniques to and applied that to built environments. And it's become, of course, very, very influential, not only within the theme parks, but cities have started to try to mimic this as well. So, so uh, give me an example of a cinematic technique. We're here at the entrance, right? And we're looking right. at the And so you've got the, you've got the tunnels here uh-huh. going to, uh, to the train station. Give me an example of one cinematic technique. Sure. And I mean, we're the, walking now. Here's yeah, one of the biggest ones is just the fact that it's like a movie theater. When you when you push through the turnstiles, the first thing that you're going to be is in the lobby, and that's why the pavement is painted red. And then when you go through the tunnel, the tunnel is as if the curtain is going up on the screen. The tunnels are purposely the size that they are and the depth that they are, so that you never get a full view of Town Square until you've passed through the tunnel. Within urban planning, this is known as the deflective view, and it tra- creates a certain anticipation. It also kind of enhances what you see and makes what you see even more special when you do like what we just did. We're now on the other side of the tunnel. You're now finally getting completely immersed in this environment of Main Street. It's like being back in the 1890s. It's the music. It's the smell of the foods. It's getting run over by the strollers. Everything that you ever wanted <laughs> just, to have. Just like old times. Yes, yes, that's right. So the uh, so we're, we've got a, it looks like we've got a uh, Main Street trolley thing coming up. But uh, the interesting thing I think about the tunnels, one of the interesting things about it is it's not a central tunnel 
going through the middle. That's right. That's right. And in early, early designs, uh, Marvin Davis was the designer of Disneyland. And basically what the Magic Kingdom is, is a blown up, higher capacity version of Disneyland from an urban planning point of view. And they played with the idea of a single entrance. But what the problem was, if you came through the single entrance in the center, you would not only just get on Main Street, but you'd see the castle right up front. Ah, the castle, right. And the and castle's an important thing in the... Uh, by the way, we're walking, uh, we're walking on the, uh, the right-hand side of... Uh, Main Street. We're going past the theater, and Disney, for some reason, has decided to uh, play the uh, the Main Street uh, music at uh, Woodstock, Jimi Hendrix uh, levels. I like the new audio animatronic horses that they're using, so that they don't have to sweat as hard. That's pretty cool. All right, let's go over here in the corner. Okay. It's, uh, it's a little noisy. So yeah, so the idea of the idea of uh, Town Square, the idea of Main Streets, is pretty simple. What, this is the first time in history at an amusement park, World's Fair, or theme park that you had a single entrance, and, and Walt did that for many purposes. First, it gave them the ability to know how many people were inside or outside of his park. But I think more importantly, if you remember the, the Walt Disney television shows, he would always stand up at the beginning, he would open a book, he'd show you here's where we're at, and it was a way of getting everybody on the same page. Same thing here, you come through the gate, the entire family shares a common experience until you get to the hub, which we'll get to in a little bit, before you go off onto your own adventures. It's kind of a, a way of sort of decompressing and getting you into the spirit of being in the Magic Kingdom as opposed to being on the way to the Magic Kingdom. That's great. So uh, so even though we've, we've literally just entered the park and we've been in it for like three minutes, uh -huh. we've already seen a couple of different techniques. We've seen the tunnel, which is the... Uh, the curtain rising. That's right. We've seen the deflective view because uh, right, right. Uh, from the left or right side, you've got to walk in the middle. Right, right. And the deflective view is like a cross dissolve in a film. You know, when you're watching a movie, there's a little bit of film and then there's another little bit of film that crosses over and it makes for a very smooth transition. Right. The tunnel also does that. It's like in a cinematic way, a, a, a cross dissolve. So it's, it's really, really quite effective. And I think anybody who's listening to this podcast, when you first pass through that tunnel, your heart just starts beating a little bit more and, and you kind of know that you're home. And that's, and that's an important part too, which we'll get to in a little bit. All right, so uh, so we're we're on Main Street. We're over by the uh, the hat shop, the chapeau. That's right. So uh, so to our right, or sorry, to our left is the theater. In the middle of our view right now is the train station. We're looking at it uh, from uh, from the, from the front. We've got the the flag, and you guys can hear the show in the background going. <laughs> We've got uh, City Hall to our right, and then the fire station to our right as well. What was what was Disney going for here by including? These specific buildings, right? I mean, there's. They, I understand that Main Street needs a city hall, and Main right, Street right. kind of needs a fire station. The train station is not a sort of an intuitive pick. Uh, neither is having a theater. Why? Why is the why is the the train station where it is, and why is the theater where it is, if, if for any reason at all. Oh, no, there's there's quite a few reasons. The Main Street Station is is integral to the whole idea. You know, we're talking about the idea of being a movie theater, right? Well, every movie theater has a marquee in the front of it that everybody can see as they arrive. That's what the Main Street Station does. It tells you here's the place, here's where the front door is, here's the marquee. Uh, okay. So it acts like that. It also has another function, which we'll get to in a little bit, uh, as a way of making it so it's more comfortable to walk. When it comes to where the Town Square Theater is, where all the characters are at now, that building is full size and it serves really two functions. The first function is that it hides the contemporary. If it wasn't as big as it was, you'd see the contemporary hotel. So that's why it's as big as it was. And also when it was originally designed, there was a great deal of consideration of building a hotel. 
and that was going to be an in-park hotel, and the interior's designs were going to be done by Dorothea Redman, who uh, had done drawings for it, and it's the same thing that, uh, she's the artist who did the mosaics that you see inside of Sleeping uh, Cinderella Castle. Oops, got that one, it was wrong. <laughs> that's alright, that's alright. Right. So we're, uh, we're walking a little bit up uh, Main Street here, just to get away from the uh, the show, not that it's not lovely or anything. Uh-huh. But uh, but now we're, um, we're sort of between the Emporium, the gift shop, and uh, what used to be the uh, the arcade. The uh, this, it's an interesting set of facades here. It's got we've got uh, brick buildings, we've got stone buildings, we've got well the Emporium is, is brick, but it's, it's sort of gingerbready. Right, right. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting colors too. You've got uh, you've got the yellow palette. You've got sort of what is that a greenish gray? Right, right. The idea of the, uh, the of the Magic Kingdom's Main Street. It's a it's a really quite an affluent city. Uh, it's uh, an East Coast version of the kind of the Queen Anne style and this sort of styles. It's a lot more frilly than Disneyland. Disneyland is a lot more of just a sort of a Midwest Main Street. But this, when we turn the corner, this is the big reveal. You know, when you think about it, you're driving, you're on the boat, you're on the monorail, you never capture the entire castle. You see little bits of the spire. It's only the moment that you turn this cat, this corner, you get the full reveal of the Cinderella Castle. And it makes a huge impact. It's also really interesting when you think of it from a design point of view because here you are in a turn-of-the-century uh, city but at the end of the street is a medieval castle now you would think that the conflict the contrast would be overwhelming but in a sense the contrast is so complete each one enhances another the, the main streets more dynamic because of the castle at the end the castle at the end functions better because you look up main street towards the train station and uh, and that's really important because Think about it. You walk into the park. The castle just seems like it's way, way, way down there, right? right. Seems yeah. real long, right? When you turn around and you look at the Main Street Station, it's a full-size building. All of a sudden, Main Street seems really short. It's this idea that Walt had about museum feet. He didn't want people dragging their butts around. So what he would do is you would all of a sudden say, oh, well, the X is not all that far, so let's take our time. Let's go to the shop. <laughs> let's do that kind of thing. And it's it's very effective, and, and, it's, and it's a wonderful another little eye trick. And you're also asking about other cinematic techniques. Now, there's a thing called forced perspective, and a lot of people have heard this before. In movies, forced perspective gives you a lot of depth in a film, in a 2D film. Right. So the, it's the way of painting sets or things like right, that. Right, right. And, and, and in a theme park, uh, the idea with forced perspective allows the buildings to feel higher, taller, without them actually being that size. It also makes them feel a little bit more intimate and more huggable, especially for adults. And in this particular case, the reason that the Main Street on Magic Kingdom is much bigger is people actually have offices upstairs. Uh, and there, there are people who are working up there all day long. So that's why it's a lot larger. That was one of the reasons it drove it. I, I will say, though, you know, cool. we're walking by all these stores. You pointed out the arcade that used to be there. Well, and uh, the, the reason why I, the reason I, I fixed it on the arcade because it's still there in Disneyland. That's right. And, and it's, it's still an arcade. And it's still an arcade with penny, you know, penny films that's and right. stuff like that. And but it's not in a world and it hasn't been in 15 years. No, no, and the same thing with the movie theater. The, the movie theater at Disneyland is still a movie theater. This Main Street has definitely become one giant shopping mall and it doesn't necessarily reflect the life of the people who lived here. And that's another cinematic technique. As you look around, you'll notice that a lot of the time it'll look like somebody was just there and they had just left and you just missed them. So it adds a higher degree of life. It seems like somebody was there. So we're uh, we're now in the middle of Main Street. We're on this is Center Street. Called Center Street. That's right. Center Street. So we could uh, over. So the, it, it ends in uh, on the left hand side. It's uh, just an extension of the Emporium. But on the right hand side, if you're facing the castle, it's sort of a cul-de-sac with right. uh, crystal arts and china, 
and farther down is a dentist office. Let's walk down yeah, there and yeah. see what's going on. Oh, I, I just love this area. I mean, if you're ever looking for a nice, quiet spot to sort of get away from the hustle and bustle, just turn right down on Center Street, and they have these little the little audio sound uh, things going on right now. So you look up in the store windows, and if you see a store window that's kind of open, uh, and you sit here patiently enough, you'll hear the piano teacher teaching a very poor student and whacking her with a ruler. You'll hear a dentist who is sort of pulling the wrong tooth. <laughs> Oopsie. And a little hotel where you hear a guy doing a shower. And that's another cinematic technique to sort of suggest that there's a sense of life up above and that you are just missing the people. It's really, uh, yeah, so we're at the, at the end of uh, Center Street right now, and it's, it's, like it's a lovely section. We've got uh, a, a series of tables and chairs back here, so if you wanted to grab something from the Main Street Bakery, which is in the next building up, you could definitely walk back here. Um, there's not a lot of shade, except in the very back, but the interesting thing is that this, this, this particular area now seems to be completely overlooked by the vast majority of guests. We've got some people standing in the shade, sitting in the shade. We've got one guy at one table, and mm-hmm. then uh, we've got uh, three tables and a whole bunch of chairs and benches that are completely unoccupied right now, which is rare because it's, uh, it's around lunchtime in the Magic Kingdom, and, uh, and it's a Sunday, so it's a pretty, it's a pretty busy day. Yeah. But this is, uh, I guess no one, no one comes down this far. For, uh, for food. And then behind us, we're actually standing in some really nice shade. The other thing I love about um, about this particular area mm-hmm. is, this, this is what I like. So uh, behind us, there are a series of lights, and they're sort of uh, um, square, not squares. They're sort of triangular-ish, but not they don't come to a point. Right. We've got rounded uh, lights over here on the... the uh, the gift shop side, right, and then by the uh, by the glass blowers, we've got uh, what looks like a gas lamp, right, right, because um, that's the idea of Main Street. It's at the it's at that crossroads from the gas era to the electrical lights. And as you move up Main Street, by the time you get to the hub, those become electric lights. That means we've advanced in time somewhat. But there are only there are only a couple of gas lights, right? There's one right here, there's one right there, and then right. that's it, right? Is there maybe there's maybe a third? But on no, this, no, all up and down Main Street, at, up until the this, point this where particular the style of, of yeah, gas yeah, light? yeah, because that, it's it's one of those time travel things. You know, one the way I always kind of look at the Disney theme parks, or at least at least the castle parks, is they're a couple of things. They are a cinematic way. It's like walking through a movie that we've been talking about. Right. It's the world's largest model train set because <laughs> that's after all why Walt wanted to build a park because. He tried to buy animator Ward Kimball's train, and Ward wouldn't sell him. So he said, "Okay, I'll, I'll build, build my a own. Park, so. I'll build my own theme park. Um, and I'll so, show you." So it's, it's it's just a big model train set, and the Magic Kingdom, especially not so much at Disneyland, but the Magic Kingdom, a lot of the time it's like a time travel. And as you move through space, you're not just moving through space, but you're also moving through time. Okay. And and that's that's a hallmark of the Magic Kingdom. That is distinctly different than Disneyland. There's a little bit of it there, but not as much as here. You'd mentioned uh, the, uh, the the time travel thing. We'll, we'll talk about that on a, on a couple other uh, episodes coming up because I know there are other places yeah. where uh, where you said it's very it's very prominent. All right, so we're walking up towards the end of Main Street now. We've got uh, Casey's Corner on our on our left. The smell of hot dogs and fries in oh, or, yes. is in the time, air. Right? <laughs> We've got uh, the ice cream parlor on our right. And uh, the other day, Sam, you and I ate at uh, the Plaza Restaurant, which I hadn't eaten at in a long time. I've never eaten there before. It was great. What a wonderful little spot to sit in, too. It's wonderful because you're uh, you're sort of you, you can overlook part of Main Street. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's got we sat in the uh, in the uh, area that uh, that directly overlooks it with a with a window view. It was really nice. Um, yeah, the food wasn't bad at all. The uh, the club sandwich I hear is. Very, very good there. Yeah, it was, the uh, it was like lovely. The and you had the meatloaf. It yeah, was very good. good, too. All right, cool. So now we're at the sort of the end of Main Street coming up towards the hub. And So you're talking about the lights. So here's a good place to show. So right at the end of Main Street, you notice they're all gas lamps? Or, yes, they or are. They appear to be gas lamps. And then you turn the corner. Now all of a sudden they're electric lamps. 
So, oh, so we're we're actually in between the we're in between eras. We're in between eras. And another really, I think, really quite cool thing is that little bridge as you're going towards Cinderella Castle right. kind of has a little pitch to it. So for just a brief second, you're slightly elevated amongst everybody else. Gives you a nice little view. Yeah. And the castle, of course, is just overwhelming. I mean, the thing is just. It, I'm a I'm a Disneylander, so to me, this thing is just gigantic. <laughs> but it's it's purposeful. It it, it served um, within the park. You can pretty much see it everywhere, and that's important because it helps to orient you. And it also teases people when they're driving up to the parks, which was important because when you think about it, when this thing opened in 1971, the nearest real... I guess civilization was about 16 miles away and the Disney people were sort of afraid that people think they were being sucked into a swamp never to return <laughs> return again going so to my evil long, lair yeah so as long as you see the top of the castle you're kind of going oh maybe there's something there so I'll keep driving forward oh, that's not bad so uh, so yeah you mentioned that this is you actually do walk uphill as you're uh, as yeah. you're going along Main Street so from and it, it's definitely a very pronounced hill from uh, from about Casey's corner Mm-hmm. Uh, until sort of the uh, the area the the moat so is, is this the, the moat, moat of the castle? Yes, it is. It yeah, is. That's great. Yeah, so it's the it's the water that uh, that you go over uh, between Main Street and in uh, the central hub. And the uh, the central hub is also is also an important uh, design element, right? Right. This is uh, this hub, is another hubs are choices. I understand. Yeah. This is uh, another one of the uh, this is another one of the real critical ideas, uh, which was the hub and spoke. So we talked about the single entrance. We talked about going down a central corridor, which was Main Street, that squeezed us all together, and then that releases into what's known as the Plaza Hub, and the Plaza Hub has a very pronounced function. First of all, it allows families, and you were seeing this a lot. I mean, if you look around, there's large groups. They're all taking photos. They're spreading out. They're looking at maps to figure out what they're going to go do next. John Hench, the Imagineer, uh, suggested that families need a lot of room in order to sort of gather their thoughts and figure out where they're going to go next. So that's what the hub does. It gives the families a lot of room. They can take a stop. They can figure out what they're going to do next. It also allows them to have choices. It's sort of the remote control to your television. So you can look and see the gateways, whether you want to go to Adventureland, Frontierland, Tomorrowland, or Fantasyland. And then the thing that would drive you to the lands would be what's called the weenie, or view terminus, as uh, it is in the architectural terms. And I heard this great story the other day about where the term the weenie came from. I always knew it because in in the silent era films, if you want to get the dog to jump, you just wave a hot dog around, right? Sure. But the weenie was very specifically named by Walt Disney. And what happened is, is that Walt would come home late from working at the studio, and Lillian would be in bed. So he'd go in through the kitchen, and then he would open the refrigerator, and he would take out two hot dogs, weenies if you're from the Midwest, right? And he'd take out the two hot dogs and he'd give them to Lady, his chow dog, and then he'd eat one. And he'd wave it around to you know, get the dog to jump and be happy that he's home and all that kind of stuff. So it's the same thing. It works like a beckoning hand and it says, come to me, come to me. So, you know, let's take a little tour. Let's look at the weenies, right? So the big one, obviously, is the, the Cinderella Castle, but it's the motion of the, it's the, motion of the, fer- uh, the, the carousel. That's what really draws right. you. You can you can kind of see the carousel right. if you're sitting if you're standing literally in the middle of the central hub. You can see the carousel through the uh, through the archway. Right. The, the and and motion is something that always draws attention. People motion. are always drawing to motion. So you look at the you look in down to Tomorrowland and what do you see? 
uh, you see Astro Orbiter spinning uh, two stories high. That's right, where it's supposed it's, it's, to be it's, it's, as opposed to the one in Disneyland, which is stuck in a hole in the front. Where Wait, hold on. You're saying there's something wrong with Disneyland, Sam? Yeah, I am. Her- heretic. All right. I know, I know. And just, Tur- I, turn in your card at just, the end of the just tour. Just take that thing and put it back on. I have to admit, folks, um, my first ride that I hit in the morning when I come here is to go on the Astro Orbiter because I just love being up that high. You look towards Liberty Square, and they're really, the weenie itself is a building that's designed to hide the Liberty Bell uh, steam uh, riverboat. Pe- riverboat because it's the wrong era. That riverboat shouldn't be there, so they kind of hide it. But the building itself is attractive, and the Adventureland, you see the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. That's right. So I'd never noticed this before, but uh, we were, were standing in the hub, and I, I, I never noticed that if you're standing literally in the middle of the hub right. and you look towards Adventureland, you can actually sort of see the very top of, of Swiss Family Treehouse. And not only that, but when there are people on Swiss Family Treehouse, you can actually see them walking through the treetops. That's right. And, that's that, right. and so the people walking is the, the movement, motion, is the motion. Is the motion. So you've got, you've, got the, you've got the Liberty Bell's motion, you've got Swiss Family Treehouse, you've got the carousel, you've got the Astro Rover. Now, there is a difference at Disneyland. When you look at Adventureland, there is no weenie. And the reason for that is that if there were a weenie and you knew it was going to be an Adventureland, it wouldn't be much of an adventure now. It's actually the entrance to the men's restroom, but that you, that'll be for a different podcast. A different, a different, yeah, different attraction. It's uh, maybe that's a man versus mouse or a man and, man and mouse podcast. So, so this is interesting because I've I've been to the Magic Kingdom, you know, hundreds of times, and until you pointed out the motion thing, I'd never bothered to look back here. But you can't actually see people in Swiss Family Treehouse, and the 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 idea that you can see people three stories up walking through a tree is the thing that beckons you over towards Adventureland. That's right, and, it, and it's very, very effective. All the different weenies, you can't help but want to walk towards them, and uh, it's a very, very effective design. And even in big cities, you know, like the old Pan Am building in New York or the Board of Trade in Chicago right. work, in a sense, as weenies for those major streets. So it's, you know, the thing with Walt is he, he wasn't necessarily invented anything. He was a great synthesizer of the best in anything that he observed. And so he would go to cities, he would go to places, and he would see things he'd like, and he would note them, and he would tell his Imagineers what he saw. And he was also really big on education. For his, He would send his guys out to everywhere to study it. And that's how they picked up on all this stuff. That's great. So as we, uh, as we leave, it, uh, leave Main Street, uh, I just want to comment on mm-hmm. the Crystal Palace restaurant, which is sort of Victorian era. It's uh, kind of based on the New York Conservancy or World's Fair or any of those kind of glass atriums that were really popular at the turn of the century, done in a Victorian style. But the, but the transition from that to Adventureland. So a couple of things. One is it's it's pretty seamless because as right now we're sort of right we're about ten feet from the bridge to Adventureland, and you can kind of see the very rightmost part of uh, of the Crystal Palace. Right. And it's still thematically, it still sort of fits in. It's it's definitely not out of place like like a New York sky, skyscraper would be out of place. So, so I want to talk. I want you to talk about two things, Sam. I want you to talk about how this particular part of the Crystal Palace integrates in with Adventureland. And then I want you to, to, to describe how Disney marks off where the end of one land is and the beginning of another land is. So where does one land end and when does another land begin? How do they do that from a design perspective? Well, uh, uh, with regards to the uh, the Crystal Palace, the idea there is is that since it's modeled after a greenhouse uh, and during colonial British rule, the idea of a Victorian greenhouse out in India or Africa or someplace exotic like that would have been a natural fit. So the architectural language is shared amongst different times, eras, and place. So they're able to use a language, and they do this throughout the park, which is really, really quite clever. They'll take an architectural language language and that's what they'll end up blending the the transitions themselves 
are trying to be subtle, just like that cross dissolve of going through the tunnel. Right. But in some cases, that's not really subtle. Like right, right here, you can see exactly where Adventureland is, and you can see exactly where Main Street is. So see the steel railing, the metal railing? Yeah, so the, and it goes so, right to the wood. So Sam is describing here, the uh, if you guys are familiar, if you guys remember it, at the, uh, the end of uh, Main Street, there's a, uh, there's a, a, a waist-high green metal um, fence that uh, that runs along the the edge of, of Main Street and it's uh, it's uh, sort of an olive green it's nothing but uh, horizontal bars and vertical bars making up the fence so there's very little uh, uh, decoration on it there's not a lot of metal work on it and it runs right up against two different things in Adventureland it runs up against um, a rock wall and it runs up against uh, sort of like small versions of telephone poles, which yeah. are the which are the Adventureland fences. Right, right. And then I, I, I for this particular one, I kind of claim because if you're when you're in doubt and you want to figure out whether you're in one land or another, just look at the trash cans. Just look at. The, okay, so that's right. So the 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 trash cans behind us are uh, the yellow and brown uh, version. So that's the transition to Adventureland, or that's the end of Main Street. Yeah, this is the end of Main Street because these are Main Street trash cans. So let's go across the the bridge that separates it, and that's another very distinct thing is that we're crossing bridges everywhere we go. So you can kind of see Islands of Adventure got the idea from Disney in that case. But as we go from one land to another, you're going to cross a bridge. So we walk, look at the surface. You got kind of this concrete slurry, and then we're going to walk over Wooden Bridge. It's uh, so we're uh, so we'll, uh, this is a good uh, the uh, since we're finishing up on Main Street, that's a good place to end this particular podcast we're uh we're leaving the red carpet of main street we're entering the wooden uh era of adventureland i hope you guys will join us on the uh on the next show for uh, sam genoway author of the uh the new book walt and the promise of progress city this is len testa thanks for listening bye